career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? Divorce is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. Kids are gone. Now what? I'll never find love. Why can't I be like the other guys? Hey guys, gay, straight, and everything in between. It's time to get a grip. Stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40 plus life. Let's get to the show with your Tell It Like It Is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick, unless you act like one first. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and today we are unwrapping something that most of us guys feel like we have to wrap up in order to be completely protected in our sex life. And we still encourage wrapping up because sometimes you need to wrap up that lovely little dangly thing between your legs. Yes, we're talking about penises today and we're talking about prep. And for those guys who are not familiar with prep, I'm gonna encourage you to listen to this podcast because it isn't just for gay men. Yes, a lot of us gay men do take it, but it is also something that's really important. And the reason I find it important is because, well, it's just being responsible. And some people will say, well, it's being irresponsible. We're gonna get all the way into that because I've got the expert, the prep horror, the prep guy that knows everything about prep. He's a buddy of mine, Damon L. Jacobs. And you know, I'm just gonna go wherever we go with this, but I would like you guys to stay and listen to this, even if you're like, well, that's not for me because I think you will learn some valuable stuff, become educated and be able to talk to other people about prep facts. So welcome, 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 Damon. Glad to have you here, man. Hi, Rick. It's so good to talk with you again. I love what you're doing with the show and how much you're helping people. It's really beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. So we, I'm going to confess, we already recorded the show once and we had some technical difficulties. So we're doing it again, but um, we're glad to do it again because that gets, that gets us a chance to talk again. So let's dive in, man. So why, why, why did you decide prep is this thing that I am going to like, I'm going to promote, I'm going to stand for it, all this sort of stuff. What brought you to that space, Damon? Well, let's start by being clear what we mean when we say the word prep. Um, Medically, that's a term, that's an acronym that stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. That is a daily pill that an HIV negative person can take in order to reduce the likelihood of acquiring HIV by nearly 100%. The CDC Mm -hmm. says about 99% or higher. So we're talking about this opportunity for the first time in our history of living with HIV and AIDS is for someone who's negative to be in full control of their body and take have full autonomy over whether HIV enters their body or not. And so I learned about the relevance and the medical efficacy of this pill back in 2010, when these studies first started to become published, because at the time I was working in HIV um, vaccine research. I learned about the research. I studied it. I thought about the trauma of what I had been through in the 80s and 90s, how many people I had lost. I thought about how my sex life has been completely shaped and created in the shadow of fear of becoming HIV positive. And I decided in 2011 that this was right for me, that this was going to be the right strategy for me to remain HIV negative. So I went to my doctor. I started using it July 19th, 2011, and have been using it daily ever since. And what is one of the things that you feel like, and you kind of alluded to this in what you just said, but what is one of the things you feel like this has given you as an active, sexually active man? I'm not just going to say gay man, but sexually active man, because I think there's there's things that we all need to admit that a lot more people are much more sexually active than they want to admit at times. So what do you think it's given you the most by being on prep? 
What it has given me the most is my sexual life back, or rather it's given it to me for the first time. Because mm -hmm. honestly, I was 14 years old in the summer of 1985 when Rock Hudson was being exploited by the media yep. when he was living and actually dying with AIDS. And in, I was just only starting to become aware of my sexual attraction for men around that time. Yep. So in my brain, it became embedded that if you enjoy intimacy with men, that's going to be you someday. You could end up like Rock Hudson. And that was definitely something that kept me and many people in that time in the closet for many more years than we had to be. Then I did come out and I did become sexually active, but it was always, always, always in the shadow of fear that I could become positive and end up like Rock Hudson, even with condoms, because I did use condoms all the time. I was one of those people who throughout the late 80s and 90s was using condoms all the time. But as the bottom partner, in most situations, I can tell you, it was always accompanied by fear. What if the condom breaks? What if there's a hole? What if it wasn't stored properly? What if he doesn't feel it? it my HIV status and my health was always contingent on the top and their judgment and their perception and their ability to feel the condom. And even if all that went okay, the condom could still break because condoms do sometimes. Absolutely. So there was always in the back of my mind, this could be the last time you do this as a negative person. Mm -hmm. When I started using PrEP, I knew it was going to prevent HIV. What I didn't know was that it was going to start to undo decades of fear, of trauma that had kept me from enjoying sexuality, that had kept me from enjoying sexual intimacy with other people. Mm -hmm. And I consider myself a pretty well-informed person. I've been working in prevention for at least 20 years before I started using PrEP. I have been working as a therapist for decades. I didn't know. I seriously did not understand the impact of trauma from the AIDS crisis until it started lifting after mm -hmm. I started using PrEP and starting to get some distance from that fear. Yeah. And so for me, this has been revolutionary, not only in terms of being able to have as much sex as I want to with as many people as I want to without condoms. And we can talk about that because I'm not using condoms. I'm not going to wrap it up. Um, or have them wrap it up in most cases. Um, but it's also really relieved and given me some room to face and feel the fear and trauma and grief that I'm still carrying from the 80s, 90s, and parts mm -hmm. of the zeros. So let's do talk about the part of not wrapping it up because yeah, this is something that, that some people are like, but you still got to wrap it up. And then it's like, okay, but you don't have to. And then, it, so we're going to make it really clear. I'm going to let Damon kind of make it really, really clear. Mm -hmm. Prep is a prevention for HIV. Let's just yeah. start there. And that's about as simple as it goes, right? It's that simple, folks. There's, it doesn't really protect you against any other stuff. But in that sexual liberation that comes for many people who are like, yay, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to wrap it up. We're also going to admit that it doesn't protect you against the other stuff, right, Damon? Right, so PrEP does one thing, and it does one thing exceptionally well, medically speaking. One, th I mean, 99% or higher is kind of unheard of in medicine. It does one thing well, and only one thing, which is prevent HIV. It does nothing to prevent any of the other STIs that you are speaking of. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, what do we do with that? Um, what we do with, with, for people who are on PrEP, in, at least in the U.S., they're expected to get tested for STIs at least four times a year. And for yep. sluts like me, and I say slut as an affectionate term, um, for sluts like me, we often do it more than four times a year. But what's really interesting, Rick, is that when I go around the country and I talk about PrEP and I ask a room full of sexually active gay men, I say, how many of you had been volunteered or were asked to be, uh, be given a butt swab, a rectal swab for STI testing 10 years ago. 
And inevitably in a room full of sexually active gay men, maybe one or two people raised their hands. But 10 right. years ago, rectal swabs were not a regular part of STI screening according to CDC protocol. Mm -hmm. With the CDC putting out PrEP protocol, rectal swabs are now an integral part of STI screens then medical providers are expected to offer rectal swabs to any person who's engaging in anal sex of yep. any gender. Yep. That's never happened before 2013 and 14. So what we're seeing is that now all these people who never got butt swabs in the past are getting butt swab now. And when you see that happening, you start to see these exponential rates of STIs going up because people are finally getting tested, they're finally getting treated, and at yep. the same time, they're getting documented more than we ever were before. Mm -hmm. So again, yes, PrEP does one thing well, it does not prevent these other things, but those regular tests do stop the transmission of STIs when people are being responsible about getting STI screening on a regular basis. Right. And you out there listening, it's similar to what Damon already said. It, this has given him his sexual freedom to do what he wants to do, which we all have that choice to do. So if you still want to wrap it up, then wrap it up. If you choose not to, then please be educated enough as we are kind of sharing here with you to know what you need to do. Get tested regularly. Yes, I get tested four times a year, sometimes more, just because I feel like that's what I need to do as a responsible sexual person. But the, but, the key word there, Rick, is choice. And I love that you yes. said choice because it's a choice. I don't tell anyone what to do with their bodies. I have no authority. I, I wrote a whole book about the word should because yep. I have no authority to tell anyone what they should or should not do with their body. If they want to use condoms, great. If they want to use PrEP, great. If they want to use both, great. But what PrEP does and what I ask everybody to do is to learn, learn the science, learn the facts, learn the information and make an informed decision about how you want to pursue your pleasure and protection. Mm -hmm. And if you are relying on somebody else, I think you even have more responsibility to like, wait, 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 stop right there. It's my body. I should be the one who makes the critical decisions. And yes, I know we step into situations where we're like, we do trust other people or we're going to trust other people in a very intimate sexual space, but also you own it. You own the responsibility. And I think too many people and I'm going to I'm going to kind of talk about our gay brothers um, in our community. They tend to go, well, but it's his responsibility, especially when it's the bottom and they're the receiver. And I've had so many friends recently and I just kind of wanted to slap them, but I didn't. Who said, well, but as long as I'm doing what I'm doing, then they're the one responsible. I'm like, okay, that's okay if you want to feel that way, I guess, but you're not taking responsibility for your own body and your own life at that point. At least that's my perspective. I think you need to take your own responsibility in most sexual situations. Are you but, talking about like bottoms who don't use either condoms or yep. prep and just say, yep. with, oh, okay. Yeah, yes. that that is not recommended, but that's no. been my message and the message right. of the-, the Well, no, and that's why I brought it up because I knew you would back up yeah. what I was saying there. I didn't say it. Oh, yeah. Saying, you know, but, but to me, it's just, it's it's irresponsible because to rely on somebody else completely, I mean, I guess this is where- I, I feel for women in today's society that they feel like, okay, well, birth control is all my responsibility, but most of them take that on. They're like, yes, I will take that on. And those who don't, then they kind of put themselves out there if they end up getting pregnant. And I feel like the same thing happens with so many men 
in the gay men's world that, well, it really shouldn't be my responsibility. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It should be your responsibility. Well, I'll take it one step further, even though I don't believe in shoulds, but I say right. I take it one step further because, again, my education goes and my training goes back to 1991. I don't I have never, Rick, and never would and never have asked a partner his HIV status ever. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because it doesn't matter, because as the bottom, I am 100 percent responsible for my sexual health. So right. in the pre prep days that meant condoms only. It didn't yep. matter if he told me he was positive or negative. It was still my responsibility to make sure HIV doesn't enter my body. Yep. Now I take prep to make sure that doesn't happen. But I still mm -hmm. never ask a partner his HIV status because it is not relevant to how I protect myself. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing, Damon. It's how you choose to protect yourself. And again, that's where I get in the responsibility space. You know, if it, it would be like, you know, and I, I'm going to go a little graphic here. It'd be like, okay, you walk into a situation and, and, and it's obvious that the person has an STD. You can tell by the moment they drop their shorts to just go ahead and go, mm, okay, yeah, let's do this. And then go, oh, I don't know why I got this. It's their fault. Well, not if you saw open sores and everything. No, I mean, and I'm not disregarding somebody who has something like that because a lot of things can be medicated and fixed and cleared and all that sort of stuff. But this revolution and I'm, I'm, I'm really interested these days because there's so many and I guess because I have two young younger millennials in my own household their view of sex and sexuality and relationships and and I'm generalizing here because I know this isn't the way it is for all of them but I notice a lot of my daughters and their friends are much more open to hey we we see sexuality in a whole different way but it makes me begin to wonder how responsible that generation is to realizing it is your choice. Everything about it. And I'm not talking about sexuality, folks. So don't, <laughs> let's not go there. That's not where I'm going with this. But every piece of any sexual interaction, it is your choice and your responsibility. And to hold somebody else hostage is what I'd like to say for what you chose to do is not fair in my mind. It's simply not fair. It's your body, you choose. Think, yeah, I also think especially with younger people, the unfortunate part in this country is that we don't have anything resembling sex education nope. for anyone. So what occasionally mm -hmm. maybe, maybe the, the people in your house are getting is they've learned how to uh, avoid pregnancy or disease prevention or, yep. or pregnancy inversion, but they rarely in our culture do we talk to anyone of any age about what it means to have a sacred, spiritual, special sexual connection with mm -hmm. another human yep. and how we nurture that, how we create that and how we mm -hmm. prioritize that. Yep. That quantity of partners is great, but quantity doesn't always equal quality. Exactly. So how we find quality of connections and really honor that for what it is. And it's not up to me to tell anybody what that is, mm -hmm. but that all women and men and all people of all ages really contemplate for themselves how sexuality can be a healthy, relevant, and mm -hmm. meaningful experience as we are going through this human life. Yes. And we're, you know, we know life can be painful and we know life is hard, but that sexuality can make that journey more meaningful and more relevant if it's used to promote health, connection, um, connection spiritually and wellness. It can be such a joyful thing. It is. I was listening to um, 
a podcast, an Oprah podcast with Ilana Van Zant, and she said something really interesting. And then I'm going to slightly twist what she says to fit our conversation. But she was talking about being married several times, and um, you know what she finally realized is when I come to these junctures with my love relationships, I can't blame them. All I can say is that's the way you choose to love, and I just can't meet you in that love situation. Sure. And I'm going to say the same thing about sex. That's the way you do choose to do sex. And I just can't meet you in that sex situation. If we were all much more open and honest about that sort of stuff, instead of throwing it at each other's face and just being, Hey, I choose not to meet you in that kind of space. That's just all it is. Now, yes, there's emotions and there's, you don't love me. You don't find me. Okay. That's all the, <laughs> that's all the human stuff that comes up around these things. But I think it's so much more powerful when you can just say, Hey, Damon, I know you and, you know, hey, I, I think it would be really cool to play with you. But and then whatever that but is to say, I can't meet you in that space. That's just not for me. But we don't do that. We, we get we throw stuff at each other. We put the blame on each other. And it's just very simple. Hey, you know, that works for you. It's not working for me. Move on. And I wish more people would step into that space and um, really own not only that how you do love, <laughs> is also how you do sex. It's how you actually, how you do most everything because every, how you do anything is how you do everything pretty much. And you know, who's way ahead of all of, of most people on this, Rick, um, are people in the kink community and the fetish community, both mm -hmm. straight and queer, yep. because what is built into that framework is that conversation yes. is that consent yes. is the guidelines. This is what I want to do. What would yep. you like to do? And yep. are we a match and can we get there? And if we can't get there, it's okay. Mm -hmm. But can we, we need to have a conversation first before right. you start to tie me up and strangle me. I need you. We need to talk about where the boundaries are right. and find out if we're a match. And mm -hmm. then we create this. And I think there is a framework available to all of us there that offers us that opportunity to think critically and constructively about how to ask for what we want and how to say yes to our yes and no to our no and mm -hmm. how to know the difference. Yes. Because we don't generally promote these thoughts and these conversations in this culture. And I think there needs to be a whole lot more of that. In fact, as you were saying that, um, I remember one of my clients who is HIV positive. And um, when the decision was made to get married and then they moved into that space of, okay, well, are we going to use PrEP? Are we not going to use PrEP? All this sort of stuff. And I remember a mutual friend and it pissed me off. It was one of the first times I'm like, okay, I'm right on the verge of saying some stuff I shouldn't say because I know, you know, as a coach, I have to kind of keep things just like a therapist. I have to keep client confidentiality, right? And this person said, I can't believe that anyone would knowingly step into a relationship where one person is HIV positive and they're still going to pursue having sex with them. I just, I literally wanted to punch him in the face because I thought, first of all, that's not for you. That's you. That's all about you. It's not about them. Second of all, they have created what they wanted to create because they love each other. And the partner who is not positive obviously knows what he's doing and he knows where he's going. And I thought, how interesting that somebody can make that kind of a judgment when at any given point in time, <laughs> anything can happen to any relationship. Suddenly, you know, somebody could have an STD and then boom, there it is, right? Or not the same thing. You can't really pass cancer on, but it's like, 
and actually I did have another friend do this. I can't believe this person's marrying this person with cancer when they know this person's probably not going to live the next five years. I'm like, who the fuck do you, are you to judge those kind of relationships? And, well, and you know, I mean, you know enough about people. They're not judging the relationship. No, they're, they're judging not. themselves. They're judging they're themselves. And like, they're, how they're would I, I would never do that. And yeah, it's all about right. them. Yeah, yeah. That, but you know, Rick, the, if we can just use that as an opportunity to be very, very clear about why that statement is, is, is not informed about yep. why that would be it's ignorant very not informed. Yep. Let's just be very clear. U equals U, undetectable is untransmittable. We have over 13 years of data that demonstrates that if someone mm. has HIV, and living with HIV and on meds and virally suppressed, they cannot literally, sec yep. cannot transmit HIV sexually. Yep. So if I'm in a club or I'm on scruff and I'm like, hey baby, let's do this whole sex thing without condoms. And a guy says to me, okay, I'm living with HIV. I've been undetectable for years. Let's do this. But another guy says, oh, I'm negative and not on PrEP, but don't worry, you can trust me. Who is more likely to be transmitting HIV right now? Thank you very much. The guy with HIV is not capable of transmitting HIV, according to science, according to the CDC. The CDC has this on their website now, yeah. that it is 100% mm -hmm. undetectable. It's 100%. You cannot transmit. Right. And in this country, Patrick Sullivan of the CDC has estimated that most HIV transmissions, the majority of HIV transmissions between men, occur between two people who are in a main relationship, who yep. are presuming that they're negative and that they're monogamous when they're not. Yep. So love is not the best protector. And that, mm -mm. that strategy you just mentioned is actually the most risky strategy yep. in terms of acquiring HIV. Yep. Yep. I see it all the time. Well, <laughs> you and I both see it all the time. We, we know it. Right. It's, it's important it, it, people understand that. Yes, when we talk it is about very PrEP, important. We're also talking about the other side of the same coin, which is U equals U. And because when we put those tools together, when we put prevention and treatment tools together today in 2019, because they're so different now, yep. what we're doing is putting together this opportunity to create new forms of bonding, new forms of connection, new forms of intimacy that have never existed in the last 38 years that we have been dealing with this trauma, with this mm -hmm. crisis. We've never had these opportunities before for people of different HIV statuses to connect and bond and marry and love in the long mm -hmm. term. And so Someone living with HIV today on medications does not have a life expectancy lo any longer that is significantly less than somebody who's HIV negative, not with today's medications. Yeah. So we put these together and we see people connecting and bonding in beautiful, sustainable ways. And that yes. to me is why I am just so damn excited after working in this field for so long, like 28 years now, this is the most exciting time ever because we've never had these tools before to create health, intimacy, pleasure, and connection. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. And I just want everyone to know that. I want to shout this from the rooftops, but I'm shouting it to you right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so real quick before we wind up, because I think this is, it's, it's something that always resonates. Everything you say resonates with me pretty much, but um, why you call yourself the prep whore? Because I know the acronym means something to you. So let's talk real quick about that because it's important. So an acronym whore to me is a wonderful human offering responsible education. Mm -hmm. So I like to take back um, pejorative terms and kind of make something positive out of them. A wonderful human offering responsible education. And well, that goes back to 2012 when I was called a Travada whore in the Huffington Post because I was the first person to talk about prep openly in the media as someone who is negative and using it with multiple partners who are living with HIV. I was called right. a Travada in the paper for that and that kind of caught on as a slang term uh, to stigmatize people using prep and a lot of us took that back um, in many many ways there was a Travada Horror t-shirt campaign 
Right. And I like to use words. Also, slut is a word I love because it's sexually liberated using Travada. And I just like to take back, um, I learned, you know, early on with Queer Nation, like that you take back uh, pejorative words and then they can't hurt you in the same way. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. So, guys, if you are still listening with this, bravo, first of all, for not tuning out because this is not just a gay man's discussion. Yes, a majority of it is for gay men, but you straight guys can go out in the world and talk logically based on this podcast. Even if all you say, wait, 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 you got it wrong. Or, well, undetectable means you're a lot less likely to pass on HIV than somebody else who isn't. And these little nuggets of wisdom that we throw at you, it's not to say, okay, now you, you got to do this. It's more education. As Damon said, we're just trying to be two guys educating people in the right way so that everybody understands this. And, um, and as well as women, women are at risk for HIV in the United much, States. Very much women so. in the South and PrEP yep. is indicated for women, especially if a woman wants to conceive a child with an HIV positive party. Um, the other thing that, that I'd say, it's like, as you said, this may not be for everybody. This may not be appropriate. This may not be medically relevant for everybody, but they may know someone who is, mm -hmm. or they may know a young person between the age of 13 and 24 who's at high risk of acquiring HIV. And for that person, this information might, might be life-changing. So even if this isn't for you, you might know someone for whom this is quite relevant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you never know. Someday it might be for you. You never know. Yeah. This is the thing. Yeah. And, and I would, I would not wish that anybody would have to endure HIV and deal with it, but it is something that is so easy to contend with these days compared to where we were. And so I, I run this group. I run a group on Facebook where we talk about these issues and we have people in their fifties, sixties and seventies mm -hmm. using prep because yep. they're experiencing in their seventies, a sense of liberation and freedom that they haven't had for more than 35 years and for some never in their life before. And they're just getting it now. So yes, awesome. this is for any age, any gender, any race, ethnicity, anywhere in the world. And it's to help everybody have a little bit open, more open minds about who we all are as humans and how we do our human existence here on the planet. So thanks again, buddy, for being here and re-recording with me again. <laughs> it's more always so good to talk. Rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. Better. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll have everything that you need to know about Damon on the website for this podcast. If you have questions, reach out to him, reach out to his Facebook group. Everything will be there for you to connect with him. And just remember, sometimes the things that you think you know the answers to are the things you most need to go listen to and get a little bit better insight because we don't all have the answers. And prep is just one of those things that the more you know, the easier it is to help somebody who just might need it down the road. So thanks for being here, guys, and being part of the 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk. We will be back in just a few days with another episode. That's a wrap for 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk, where the conversations continue.